You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Whoops, that didn't work. Um, I picked that video because um, it gets to the heart of where I want to go this morning with the message, and that is, uh, and what it takes to get to uh, be able to do what I want to challenge us to do, um, and that is to be quiet before the Lord. Um, I feel like the enemy is always working at pulling us into his agendas, pulling us into his focuses, and in order to uh, overcome that, we have to be able to be still and know that he is God, be still and be able to be directed be still and focus on what is true, what is lovely, what is pure. And I feel like that video does a good job in helping us to get in touch with what that's like and what that looks like. So I just wanna say that so that you kind of hold on to um, the heart that that video brings to us. So um, today what I wanna talk about is what it means to be the head and not the tail. And um, that is in the Bible. (laughs) I mean, sometimes you're like, is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. Um, And uh, it is found in Deuteronomy, but I'm going to start with um, Galatians 3, 13 to 14. And uh, as we come off of the resurrection and the celebration of the significance of the resurrection, um, part of that resurrection is our new identity in Christ and what Christ has made possible. Um, Of course, beginning with our relationship with God, but then also helping us to begin to move towards becoming more conformed to the likeness of Christ. And uh, in Galatians 3, 13 to 14, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree, on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So the, um, especially in those verses there, it talks about um, that we would receive the blessings of Abraham. So if you go back to Deuteronomy 28, um, we read about the blessings and the curses. And uh, there's a, there's a um, verses one through 14, uh, talks about the blessings that come upon those who are obedient. Um, And then verses 15 to 68, that's 53 verses, talks about the curses that will come upon you for uh, a lack of obedience and faithfulness to God. So that's a lot of curses compared to a shorter list of blessings. And I think that makes sense because uh, there's that simplicity that comes into our life through the fact of what Jesus has done for us, that this free gift of salvation has secured for us something that we would have never, ever been able to accomplish on our own. And the costs of being outside of that are long. It's a, it's a, it's a long list of costs 
um, of not being in Christ, of not being in that uh, position of being recipients of the blessings of God. And uh, it would be good to always go back and look through those again, especially in light of our identity in Christ, to see the blessings that are now yours that have been um, enabled uh, to be given to us and to be our identity in Christ is those list of blessings. So, but today I wanna focus on one of them and um, that is found um, in the context of verses 12 through 14 of Deuteronomy 28. It says, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. So this is uh, the blessing. And then it's mentioned again in the curses, the, the opposite of what will be our situation um, if we are now on this side of Christ, outside of Christ, and functioning outside of Christ in any way. And that is found in verses um, 43 to 44. So it says, the foreigners who reside among you will rise above you higher and higher, but you will sink lower and lower. They will lend to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head, but you will be the tail. So this topic of being the head and, be, and not the tail, I think can be applied in a lot of different ways. Um, but I would like to look at the more subtle aspects of what it looks like to be the head and not the tail. Um, and I think all of the blessings of God we're aware are available to us and we have our identity in Christ, but there's that whole process of renewing your mind. There's that whole process of, of dying to the old and embracing the new, that whole process of choosing each day and each moment to live in agreement with your new identity, to live out of your new identity instead of living out of the old. And I believe that this aspect of being the head and not the tail um, kind of speaks to the heart of that daily um, activity, that daily uh, purposefulness of living out of that identity in Christ and not out of the old. And <clears throat> there, I believe that there are some very um, narrow paths in walking as the head and not the tail in our day-to-day -day living that take a real awareness, kind of like that opening video I was trying to touch on, is that deep sense of connection to who you are in Christ and having to be very aware of that in order to not get pulled out of your identity in Christ and how you're functioning and how you're responding and how you're living in the world. 
Um, you know, Christ establishes us as the head and not the tail in many ways. And we could probably list a lot of different aspects of that, but he does that by making us citizens of a whole new kingdom. You know, we are the citizens of God's kingdom, not citizens of this world. We are citizens of God's kingdom um, by making us heirs of all of his blessings that we are no longer, um, uh, we are no longer limited or at um, serious um, consequence of the curse by freeing us from sin and and death by giving us authority over evil. Um, God has made us the head and not the tail in many ways. He's made it possible for us to step into something that he's accomplished, that he has opened up, that he has given. We simply have to choose though to step into it, to step into that identity. Um, <clears throat> So um, I, I believe that a lot of times um, that sense of being the head and the tail to our flesh um, often represents power. Um, it represents having the upper hand. It represents not being vulnerable. Um, it represents a lot of things to our flesh that is not true for our spirit. And uh, so it's very easy for us to react to threats or to challenges um, or to vulnerabilities in a way that makes us feel like the head and not the tail. But in, in reality, in God's kingdom, we just became the tail in a very real way. When we start fighting and pushing back and feeling threatened and doing something about it, getting our fight on, um, a lot of times we are fulfilling that challenge that I believe comes from the devil to be the tail and not the head. That maybe in this world now you're functioning as the head, but in God's kingdom, you just became the tail. And I would uh, really um, support that by us looking at the example of Jesus. Um, look at the ways that Jesus was the head and not the tail. And, and I would say that Jesus was always the head and not the tail. He was sinless. He lived uh, and fulfilled God's purposes in his life, the Father's purposes in his life in this world. And he was challenged in all the ways that we are challenged um, to be uh, enticed to uh, put his fight on, you know, enticed to defend himself, enticed not to be in a vulnerable position. Um, and, uh, and he overcame those temptations. And so when we want to see what does it look like to be the head and not the tail, we can look at the example of Jesus and, uh, and how he fulfilled that. Um, we can look at the example of Jesus when he was um, challenged by the Pharisees or, you know, trying to be goaded into uh, uh, answering their questions or defending himself um, and uh, the way that he uh, was able to step in and take over the situation without giving into those challenges, without getting into um, a fight um, without getting into a prideful place. Um, when Jesus was persecuted and beaten, 
that he was still acting as the head and not the tail because he was fulfilling his purpose in the world. So, so in God's economy, um, being the head and not the tail is fulfilling your purpose, God-given purpose, fulfilling and being faithful to your God-given identity and uh, yielding yourself to God and his direction for you in that moment, in that situation, and not allowing your flesh to take over and allowing your own fears and vulnerabilities, uh, fleshly vulnerabilities, uh, to become uh, the guiding force in those situations. So um, I know uh, for me, one of the things that challenged me a number of years ago um, that we talked about here at church, we did a little study. It was called Messy Grace. And it was a, it was a book written by a man who grew up in a home with um, a lesbian mother and her partner. And uh, he went to, you know, all of the, um, you know, activities that they were um, involved in and grew up in that environment. And um, when he uh, was in college, I believe, um, he became a Christian. And uh, he talked about how he had to come out to his mom and her partner as a Christian, and they were very upset. Um, kind of the opposite situation that you hear some people going through. And um, so he became a Christian, and then eventually he actually became a pastor. And he became a pastor who believes in the Word of God, and he believed what the Word of God taught on areas of sexuality. So that put him, of course, at odds in many levels with his mother and her partner. And actually, eventually his dad also came out to be a homosexual. Um, he came to discover his dad was a homosexual. So he had a whole family full of people who were living lives that were contrary to what he now believed as a Christian. And so in the Messy Grace book, he um, you know, talks about how he lives that out now um, in relationship with the people that he loves and cares for deeply um, and, um, and really did a great job, I think, you know, offering a perspective that kind of helped to build bridges instead of establishing walls. And, um, and that's what Jesus always did. He found a way wherever possible to offer a bridge, that doesn't mean everyone's gonna be interested in the bridge, but he found ways to offer the bridge to continue to be able to be in relationship and to fulfill the purpose that God's given us to love others. The purpose he's given us to share the good news of salvation, you know, the purpose he's given us to help others to come become disciples of Jesus and to begin to walk in a relationship with him and to begin to experience the freedom that comes from the things of this world. And uh, so as I was reading that book and then there was videos that had great testimonies of people who struggled with those kinds of uh, desires and lifestyles and things like that who were, who were seeking to know God and to, and to live out their faith with Jesus. Um, uh, one of the things that really rose to the top for me was the fact that um, I don't have to let others establish the focus for me. 
that Jesus establishes the focus for me. Um, and, uh, you know, others can come with their agendas and their priorities, and, um, but the, I do not have to allow myself to be pulled into those agendas and those priorities. And I believe ultimately we're reminded that we're in a spiritual battle. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, right? But against powers and principalities of this dark world. And um, he wants to establish the focus. He want, the devil wants to establish the agendas um, and he wants to pull us into them. He wants us to participate with his priorities and his agendas. But God has made us the head and not the tail. And as believers in Christ, we are to establish the focus and the agendas. And so that book kind of began to help me begin to see that. And um, as I really like the last several months, this topic of being the head and the tail was kind of rising up in me. And then Jeff asked if I would preach today. So I'm like, I know what I'm preaching on because this is something I've been chewing on and I'd love to have the accountability of getting into it because I do think it's a huge issue today in our culture for us as Christians. The devil is pulling us into his agendas and his priorities and getting us off focus and distracting us. Um, you know, we're getting in there and trying to fight against things. And, and in my heart, I see the devil happy about that, that we're participating with his agendas because we are losing focus of God's agendas. His agenda is for us to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And when we get in there and start fighting, then the devil uses that to discredit us and to close the ears of people and they can't hear um, anything else we have to say. And it's not that we say that all that stuff is okay. It's not okay, but it's a few things of a long list that are not okay. I mean, there's a lot of things that are not okay, but that is not what Jesus said is our main priority to go around and make sure everyone knows what is not okay. Our main agenda is to go out and make disciples of Jesus. And that is our focus. I know after I did this study, you know, I do the Bible study at the jail with the women and, um, <clears throat> Uh, after I did this study and kind of got my focus straightened out a little more, at least started to, um, I was doing one of the studies one, one Monday, and this lady came into the study um, that, you know, one of the ladies that was, was incarcerated there, and um, she kind of uh, there was a few other ladies at the study who've been to our church before, and I knew them, um, and, uh, and they were happy about our church. <laughs> so, so they were like, oh, we just love your church and things like that. And, and so this other lady, though, that I didn't know, she said, so can gay people come to your church? And I said, sure, anybody can come to our church. And they're like, yeah, anybody can go there, you know? And they were kind of irritated, I think, that... And, uh, and um, 
she, um, uh, what else? She asked another question about um, gay people and what they're allowed to do at our church and stuff. And, um, and then she said, so do you marry gay people? And I said, no, we do not marry gay people. I said, but being gay is not the most important thing about you. The most important thing about you is that God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And, and so it was really only after doing that study that I realized that God says that I need to maintain my focus. And I, I can't be brought into the agendas of other people and allow them to become the head and I'm the tail. And I think that was always the hard part before I did that study was that, that threat of them becoming the head and me as a believer becoming the tail. And I, and I felt that pull, but I didn't understand it. And, uh, and so that was a chance to practice. <laughs> this lady had an agenda. She had her priorities and she wanted me to be participating in her priorities, which ultimately I believe, you know, the enemy um, is behind all that. He's wanting us to get off of God's purpose for us. Um, and, uh, and so when I said that, that was the end of the conversation. She didn't have any more to say about that. And yet I had been able to communicate to her why I was there. Here's why I'm here. And here's why you are important. You are valuable, whether we agree on this topic or not. You know, And I can take a stand and say, no, this is not what we believe is okay. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is Jesus wants a relationship with you. And I think that that has to be our focus as we are being what I would call the devil goading us. And when I think about that, I think of the temptations of Jesus, you know, and uh, um, over the Lenten season, um, I was listening to a series of devotions that focused on the temptations of Jesus. And each day they focused on like one word or one phrase at a time as we went through that whole passage talking about those temptations. And um, one of the words in there was, or phrases was when Satan said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, then you will do this. That whatever, it doesn't really matter at this point what it is, but it just reminded me of how the devil whispers that in our ear. If you're really a Christian, then you will what? What you'll fight, you'll speak up, you'll what? You know, think of the ways that you're goaded into defending your Christianity. God didn't call us, I don't believe, to defend our Christianity. He called us to make disciples of Jesus. You know, Jesus never defended anything. He didn't, um, he didn't defend himself when he was accused of all kinds of things. And he was willing to go to the cross without defending himself. So we don't have to defend the Christian faith. We have to live it. That's a lot harder, <laughs> you know, is to live the Christian faith, to, to live faithfully to God, to, to maintain that prayerful focus that we saw in the video, that prayerful focus. 
which is so the example of Jesus, all the times that he withdrew from the crowds, all the times that he was quiet, like the example of when the woman was being stoned for, threatened to be stoned for adultery, you know, Jesus knelt down and rode in the sand, you know, it, it takes having to not react, you know, it, whenever we react, we're, we're probably going to be way off base. We have to be able to be quiet and purposeful. And I believe reacting and being purposeful are polar opposites. I mean, very rarely will our reaction be in line with our purpose. It's going to come out of our fears, out of being threatened, out of feeling like we're becoming the tail and losing our position as the head. But our position as the head is not something we've achieved. It's something that we've been given. And, and we have to draw from that in order to maintain it. We have to draw from that gift and that uh, position that we've been given by Christ that he's enabled us to have for his purposes in order to fulfill that position as head and not tail. And it's not gonna look like the world expected. Think of all the people that thought Jesus was gonna be militant. They, they thought Jesus was going to come and destroy their enemies and establish them as the head in a governing way and not the tail. They, that they would become the leadership of the world in a sense, you know. But that is not who Jesus came, that's not what he came to do. And yet he established us as the head and not the tail. So he... he uh, you know, and so they didn't recognize that kind of way of being um, in Jesus because they, they, they're thinking fleshly. They're thinking fleshly dominance. <laughs> you know, Jesus was thinking spiritually of spiritual dominance. And it's really the enemy's game to dominate um, physically and in a fleshly way. Um, I'll just say that, and that may be wrong, but <laughs> there may be more to that. It's kind of scary being up here, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's easy to say things that later you're like, yeah, that wasn't right. Um, but anyways, but you could sift it out with the Holy Spirit. So, um, <laughs> but anyways, um, but uh, I, one of the things that I think is an important part of this is discernment. Um, and I really think that that would be a really good word if you haven't explored what discernment looks like, that that would be a really important tool for you to explore and develop because um, it takes discernment in those moments. And, uh, it, and, and discernment is going to begin by being still and quiet. And definitely at first... Stop your reaction. <laughs> Whatever reaction is rising up in you, it's probably wrong and shut it down, you know, because you're probably, that's a good place to start because once we've reacted, it's kind of hard to go back, right? So first for discernment, we have got to not react. Then the next thing is to just stop and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, you know, 
And, and, and if you're not experienced with that part of your relationship with God, once again, he's there. He's ready to lead you. Um, but you've got to stop and let him lead. I mean, if you run ahead, then he can't lead. You have to have faith and trust that he's there and that he's gonna lead you. And it's better to take a submissive position with the person in front of you so that you have the chance for the Holy Spirit to lead you and show you what he wants you to do, if anything, what he wants you to say, if anything. Um, and he will, he will fellowship with you in that submitted place because when you're doing it, first and foremost, submitting to him and therefore having the power to submit to another, then you're right where God wants you to be because then he can rise up in that weakness and make you strong. He can rise up in that place of readiness and give you words, give you direction, give you eyes to see and ears to hear. So, so discernment is closely related, obviously, to humility. Um, so I knew I wouldn't follow my notes, but because <laughs> I knew I had this in me to just say it, but um, I don't want to miss anything either. So um, let's see here. I had a quote uh, about discern. Oh, it's up on there already. It has been for a while. I, I remember that now. Um, so it says, <laughs> uh, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. And I think that that's the interesting thing is that, you know, it's easy for us to know right and wrong. Oh, I don't really need God for that. You know, I mean, I, I need him. He already told me. Um, but in the moment, I don't need God for that because he already told me. So I'm just going to know that's right and that's wrong. Well, that was easy. But, you know, how about the example of the woman who was... Um, being threatened to be stoned for adultery. And, you know, it kind of like, well, why didn't Jesus lecture her about adultery? I mean, that's not right. She, I mean, she shouldn't just get a, way, get a pass, right? I mean, she should get a lecture, is <laughs> kind of my thought. But no, he, he let her go and just told her to sin no more. And, but, but in that moment, you know, the, the uh, people who wanted to stone her, they weren't right to stone her, I don't believe. I mean, maybe by their law, I guess they were. But they were right in the sense that what she was doing was wrong, right? So that was easy. Um, but, they, but, but there was a greater right that they were missing. And, and so Jesus came into the situation and he didn't get into a debate with any of them. He didn't get into any arguments or anything like that. But as he quieted himself and as he took control of the focus through his quietness, through his lack of reaction, then he was able to now draw them into the focus that he wanted to establish. And he was able to get to a deeper place that went beyond the surface that everyone else was existing in. 
And, and I believe that that's what God wants us to be able, wants to be able to do through us, is that we would be able to be in a situation and they're all yelling something. You know, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And that we would be able to come in and not react and be quiet and be able to be led in a way that we are able to establish the focus, that it would be God's focus, his priorities. So they weren't living out his priorities. It may be true, it may be the truth that that's not right, but that wasn't God's priorities. Just like I mentioned with the, with the, the topic of the homosexuality, it was that lady in the jail, that was her priority, that was her focus, and she wanted to pull me into it. But with the help of that study, <laughs> I had started to break free from that having to be the priority and the focus. And so, anyway, so I just share that with you to think about areas in your life and ways in your life that you can function out of your God-given identity as the head and not the tail. And I think that we can feel when we've lost it. <laughs> you know, when, oh boy, I am way off track. I talk about I am the tail and not the head right now in this moment. And that's not where God has made it possible for me to be. And, um, you know, you feel it. You feel like you haven't honored God. You haven't been on the right track. You, you reacted in a way that, that people are wondering, do you really know Jesus? <laughs> and, uh, and you're not anywhere near to fulfilling God's purpose for you. Um, and that can be in relationships. That can be out in society with all the stuff going on there. Um, that can be in your workplace, in your family, um, your day-to-day -day life and driving. I mean, it can be anywhere um, that you're living your life uh, in big, big places and small places, big topics and little topics. And, um, you know, that's where the peace and the joy and uh, the, the value of your life is found in fulfilling your purpose on a day-to-day -day basis in, in all things, big or small. And, and we, we can start in the smaller things to practice, you know, living that identity out. And I believe that, um, you know, the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to do that. So um, I just wanna close with uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 14. Um, I think it, is a very powerful passage that speaks to um, God's um, desire for us and uh, just use it uh, to, as a beginning for a closing prayer. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. <laughs> <laughs> 
and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that this is our identity in you. We thank you that you are working in us all of these things, making it possible that we would live a life that is worthy of you, that brings you glory and honor and fulfills our God-given purpose in this world. You've made it very simple that our purpose is to know you and to help others to know you. And we just pray that in all ways of interaction and the ways that we help to maintain our focus on your priorities and thereby challenge others to do the same, that we will be yielded to you, submitted to you, ready for you to help us to fulfill that purpose each and every day. We thank you for the power of your word that we must always keep before us in, a, in order to maintain that focus. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that is always within us, that we would continually be yielded to that Holy Spirit in order to maintain our focus. We pray that you will help us to stand with confidence in this God-given position to be the head and not the tail as the world around us screams and yells and often in our face that your voice would be greater, that we would have spiritual eyes that are stronger than our fleshly eyes, that we would always see you first before we see anything else. We know, God, only you can make this possible for us. We just pray that you'll continually enable us to yield ourselves so that the fullness of all that is possible will be fulfilled in our lives, in our individual lives and in our collective lives as the body of Christ. That it is the unity around that which would cause people to realize that you are the truth and the life and the way. So we just thank you, Father, that you give us something to offer, that, you, that you've made us uh, who we are, and that without you, we have nothing to share with anybody. There is no good thing in us aside from you. We have no knowledge and understanding outside of your revelation. We have nothing, no good advice to give other than you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes unto the Father except by you, and that no life is changed except by you. So we just thank you, Father, for the clarity that you give. And we just pray your blessing on each and every person here. May they experience the fullness of what it means to be established as the head and no longer the tail and all that that means. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.